Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season two. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Season 2, Episode 4, Inca Mummy Girl. Stephanie, this episode was not as bad as I remember it being. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to have a lot of thoughts about Xander again, (laughs) unfortunately. Something tells me we will. I I also have a lot of thoughts about how obviously this episode tries to draw parallels between Buffy and... The Mummy Girl. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, lots of thoughts on cultural appropriation. Yeah. You know, my thoughts on that for this episode were a little muddled. Yeah. But for sure, like the cultural appropriation was bothering me so much so that I didn't even put too much thought into it. I kind of like swept it aside. I mean, it it reaches a crescendo (laughs) where you're just like, oh, (sighs) (laughs) oh, oh, who thought this would be a good idea? But, you know, they did. They did it and they thought it was a good idea. Uh, You know, this episode, I remember well, and it's a big deal to me for one big reason. And when we get there, I'll obviously point it out. But like this is there's a one big reason why i actually really really like this episode and when i was watching it i couldn't help but compare it to season one episode eight i robot you jane which is of course the origin story of our lord and savior moloch the corrupter praise moloch praise moloch but it's very similar in terms of like that Mm -hmm. monster of the week filler kind of episode except it's not willow falling in love with a demon it's it's xander on the side so very similar but this this episode does introduce somebody that i care deeply about and i also really love the mummy movies as you do as well i know you're a fan absolutely i love the mummy yep uh rachel vice in the mummy is hashtag goals for me (laughs) you know like confident (laughs) sexy librarian yeah yes please yeah and Brendan Fraser in his prime can do no wrong in my mind. Uh, I only like the first two Mummy movies. The third one yes. needs to go. <laughs> I, I am so glad that we're in sync on this, Steph. The third one could have done without. Uh, but number one and two are perfection. <laughs> and I will die on that hill. Those are great movies. So Agreed. All right. So those are our initial thoughts. Let's dive in. Buffy, Xander, and Willow are discussing the student exchange program as they're on their way to Sunnydale's special cultural exhibit at what I assume is the Sunnydale Museum. (laughs) And Buffy is saying that she's going to be housing a student at her house for two weeks. And I thought this was very strange because Joyce, aka Buffy's mom, I I thought it was just strange that Joyce would agree to this exchange program because she's already struggling as a single mom with Buffy keeping Buffy on track. She's working really hard at the art gallery. So it just seemed weird that she would go for this. But at the same time, I realized because she's working at the Sunnydale Art Gallery, she must be involved in this program in some way. 
Like, are the museum and the art gallery really going to be that different from each other? There's probably like a cross promotion thing going on here with the exhibit. That's an interesting thought. I, I also thought like, ooh, interesting that Buffy's mom is doing this. And later in the episode, we find out that she's very pro Buffy going to the dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though, like you said, Buffy's struggling and Buffy's mom should be happy <laughs> that Buffy wants to stay home and focus on her studies. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, di- I didn't think about the role that Joyce's job might have in this. So that's cool. Do you ever recall having like student exchange programs here in Thunder Bay? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It happened for sure. There was a, a French kid named Pierre <laughs> who came and stayed and came to class with us and stuff. And he was a cool guy. Oh, cool. I remember I read. Um, so I read the back of a cereal box in French because in Canada, you know, there's half French, half English. And I read it out to him and be like, how's my French? And he was like, you're terrible. Like Your accent is terrible. Everything is terrible. But he was absolutely right. I'm a terrible French speaker. How's your ancient uh, Peruvian? You know, I think that's actually a little rusty as well. But after this episode, it really... I, I guess I should say ancient ink and writing. But yeah, um, Whatever we'll get is. to that in a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway. And anyways, uh, I also... Sorry, I made a lot of notes in the very first scene. I made a lot of notes. Because just like the Sunnydale Zoo from the pack episode... The fact that Sunnydale has a museum at all with a dinosaur bone, you know, set up and like all the stuff, it just is weird to me. And then I realized that in the harvest, when we found out that there were sewers running all the way through Sunnydale, uh, and I said back then, wow, the city planners for this town really did a good job at making sure people were, A, coming into the city and wanting to stay. Like, it's a small town, but it's built like a big city. It has all these really cool exhibits and public realm space and all stuff, right? And I was like, hmm, how convenient for a demon town to have all that stuff. So yeah, let's think I, about I that later we on. Will, yeah, I hope we maybe learn more about that in perhaps a season. Yeah. So Buffy is housing the student. So is Cordelia. Cordelia has also opened up her arms and welcome to who she thinks is going to be a really handsome Swedish guy. <laughs> I mean, Cordelia is just such a giving person she is like, yeah of course she'd open up her doors to a foreign exchange student. yeah good for you cordelia for, for taking in a swedish guy although your priorities once again are a little bit on the shadier side uh xander <laughs> xander of course gets upset that it's a man that's coming to stay with buffy that it's a, that it's a teen boy and he literally says it's a man with man parts he better keep his parts to himself. Yeah, so I didn't like that line at all because, you know, it's transphobic and homophobic. Mm-hmm. This assumption that the exchange student has to be of the opposite sex in order for Hanky Panky to happen, right? Like, you know, what happens if somebody's gay and you've got two girls in the same house or two guys in the same house, right? Like, uh, so this it's just... It's one of those lines, you know, very first scene, it jumped out at me. Xander, just go die in a fire, please. <laughs> and this this uh, jealousy, this what they're trying to pass off as protectiveness, it carries on throughout the episode up until obviously we meet the exchange student. And I'm just we're just tired of it. Like she already rejected you three, four episodes mm-hmm. ago. And your obsession for Buffy is continuing and this ownership or claim to her sexuality and her romantic life, it's not cute. 
And Buffy and Willow laugh it off like it is cute or that it's funny and that he's just being a friend. Haha, what a class clown. It's not funny to us. We're sick of it. And especially when it has this transphobic, homophobic, these undertones. We're just tired of it. Yep. Uh, but I'm sad to say, Steph, that is not the worst line that we get from Xander in this episode. So <laughs> carrying on. We'll continue. Uh, a boy named Rodney Munson is destroying some sort of cultural mask at the museum. And uh, we learn that this guy used to beat up Xander for five years straight. And he's really dumb, apparently. And this is a bad guy. This is a bad student. Just like Sheila from the last episode was a bad girl. And... We know what happens to loosely moraled teenagers at Sunnydale. Like, obviously, this guy's his his numbers up. Like, it's it's gonna something bad's gonna happen to him. Clearly, but we're not in the locker room. We're not. In the, we're not. We're not. We're in a whole new space of Sunnydale. We're at the museum. So Willow goes and talks to him. Apparently, she helps him study chemistry. Uh, even though we've already established that he's not an excelling student. He's not somebody who would be in a chemistry class, in my opinion. And um, yeah, so Willow goes and talks to him, tells him not to do that. And I'm kind of like, you guys, why are you so nosy? Just who cares? Just let him, like, who cares? Let him get in trouble. Who cares? Just let him do it. Uh, (laughs) The tour guide leads them into an Inca burial chamber and the human sacrifice exhibit. So 500 years ago, the Incan people chose a beautiful teenage girl to be their princess. The Inca people sacrificed their princesses to mountain gods called Sabankaya. Then they're buried alive for eternity in a dark tomb. And the princess remained there, protected by a cursed seal that's placed there as a warning to anyone who should try to wake her. And I'm not an expert on Inca history or rituals, of course, but... I didn't like that they called this teenage girl in this story a princess because that sounds super Western to me. And just like plopping the name princess on there is weird. Well, just in general, you know, this is the first instance of many instances of cultural appropriation in this episode. It's very similar to what we saw in the pack where the writers took elements of African tribal beliefs and kind of brought them all together in this remix for their purposes. So here we have a very shallow, very Eurocentric interpretation of a few different elements of Incan culture, and it's not particularly being portrayed or used in a respectful way. (laughs) So once again, we've got the racism and the colonialism on display here where it's like, you know, it's not okay to take elements from other cultures and turn them into story fuel for your horror stories, right? Like, so (laughs) we're going to continue to see that throughout the episode. I agree with you that this is not a particularly sensitive portrayal of Incan culture. They couldn't have just said that she was also the chosen one, right? That's too obvious. That's too parallel to Buffy. They had to call her a princess. Uh, So Xander is talking over this exposition with more exposition, uh, asking more about this guy that's coming to stay at Buffy's house. And she says his name's Empata and she's going to pick him up at the bus stop the next day. So once the tour group leaves, that's when bad boy Rodney sneaks up on the mummy to steal the seal or to take it in some way. Uh, And it's it's actually really hilarious when he's like grabbing the seal out of the mummy's hands because like clearly there's not a firm grip on this plate, but he has to act like there is. (laughs) Also, Stephanie, where's the security 
for this museum. Like this is a priceless artifact, which has probably been stolen from its rightful place. Thanks colonialism. And like the security at the art gallery where we worked was probably better than the security here. There's no security guards. There's no cameras. Rodney just walks back in there unaccompanied and is able to reach down. There's no barrier (laughs) protecting the mummy. Like, what is going on here? I mean, this is classic Sunnydale <laughs> stuff Was going Joyce on high again when she organized this exhibit? She absolutely was. There's, you don't have to say that. We just know that that's the case. So Rodney was able to sneak in. He apparently lacks the upper body strength to <laughs> rest a, a plate seal out of the mummy's arms. <laughs> uh, and he does such a terrible job, he actually breaks the seal. So, of course... This has wakened the mummy, uh, which reaches up and pulls Rodney down. Ooh, throttles him. <laughs> um, and we see Rodney begin to get choked. And we know, of course, that Rodney is lo- not long for this world. Because, as you said earlier, that's what happens to new Sunnydale High students who get introduced every episode. <laughs> Especially ones that are bad to the bone. <laughs> Cut to credits. The next day, Buffy is training with Giles in the library because they apparently won't be able to do this over the next two weeks while the exchange student is there. Uh, And Buffy really wants to go to the school dance that week. And Giles, for some reason, is really against it. And he's like, you are the chosen one. Like, he does that whole speech again. And I'm like, why are we back to this? Like, I, I feel like they're really... For no reason, he's he's preaching this at this episode. Like, no, as of right now, nothing is happening in Sunnydale. Well, this is what I me- mean when I said earlier, I feel like the episode is a bit too obvious at drawing parallels. Yeah. And we'll see that as we continue with our recap. But it's I agree with you. It's like this is other other than for reasons of plot. It's pretty unnecessary for Giles to be doing this. Yeah, it's like we've heard this for all season one. Like, we know. Uh, for some reason, Xander's sitting there, too. I'm sure he just likes to watch Buffy sweat. <sighs> So he's bringing up, again, how displeased he is that the person who's staying with Buffy is a man. Guess what, Xander? Not everyone is like you, Xander. Not every guy is going to look at Buffy while she's changing without her knowledge. Not every guy is going to be fawning over her, obsessing over her the way you do. So I know that's how you feel every guy is, but not every guy is going to do that. So, Xander, please. Giles lets in and gives Buffy permission to go to the dance and it's probably because Buffy's actually like kicking the shit out of him (laughs) during this training and he's just like okay fine go and he goes off to Ice's body and um, Xander asks Buffy if the three of them meaning him Buffy and Willow can go to the dance together and Buffy asks him about him and Willow as in like Datesville romance flowers lips right and Buffy's being a good friend to Willow, finally, because she's just like, what's going on? Like, why don't yeah. you just go with Willow? I think Buffy also feels a little bit of guilt, right? Because she knows that Willow's into Xander and she knows Xander's into Buffy. And Buffy probably is like, oh, like, I need to redirect this guy. You know, I, I'm being bad to Willow for continuing to be this object of attraction to him. Yeah, right? for sure. So. For sure. So she's she's like <sighs> stepping up here and she's just like kind of poking at Xander to be like, what's your what's your take? And she asks, after all these years, has he never thought about her in that way? And of course, this is when Willow walks in without them noticing, so she can hear this entire conversation. Oh my god, why do the writers hate Willow? The writers, the writers keep torturing Willow. Why do they hate her so much? Like, don't, ugh, don't worry, it's coming. (laughs) Her due is coming, I know it is. Xander says, 
that he loves Willow. She's his best friend. And Willow smiles so happily when he says that. But then he immediately says, she's the kind of girl that I'm friends with. Not that I, not one that I would think of romantically. <sighs> Which is literally what Buffy told Xander in Prophecy Girl. Yeah. But apparently when Buffy does it, it's hurtful. When Xander does it, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. And Willow hears that, obviously, and looks destroyed again. Her facial expressions are so good. We know exactly what she's thinking. She's devastated. And imagine being rejected second-handedly. Like, you, you overhear the rejection without ever actually having him say that to your face. Yeah. And she just says weakly, hey, guys, <laughs> to let them know that she's there. Um... She does tell them that Rodney is missing and he never came home. And the three of them don't remember him being on the bus after this field trip. And Xander makes a joke that maybe he awakened the mummy. And Willow says, yeah, right. And then it rose from its tomb. And then Buffy says, yeah, and attacked him. And then they all like look really amused by that. Even Giles who's in the background and like smiles. But then they all look really alarmed <laughs> because they remember that they live on the Hellmouth. And then we cut to the museum <laughs> for them to go explore. So... I really love that that cut. I think that's a really funny uh, joke to add in there. Back in season one, you and I called it out a couple times where we were like, like Buffy's like, hey, the dummy was in my room. Or Buffy's like, hey, I think this is a praying mantis. Uh, all those things sound ridiculous. And they were very skeptical about it. But here we have them learning and realizing that the most ridiculous thing that they just said, that maybe the mummy rose from its tomb and is out roaming around they're just like oh shit that's probably exactly what's happening so that's growth let's find out <laughs> so they're at the exhibit and they find the broken seal and the mummy but the mummy is still there or is she suddenly they're attacked by a man with a machete <laughs> and look closely everybody look very closely at this man and you'll see that it's billy black from twilight so this guy has his fame from these vampire media forms, which is great for him. I'm happy for him. As he fights Xander and then Buffy, he looks at the mummy, then pieces out. <laughs> so he leaves. And then they're all kind of like, oh, I guess we should go too. Like, they don't really like do any investigation into this. They're just like, all right, danger's over. Let's go. And that's when Willow notices that the mummy has braces on because, oh my God, the mummy is Rodney. Can you believe it? Can you believe this shit? I'm shocked. I'm, sh I'm shook. In the library, Willow says that Rodney looked like he'd been dead for 500 years, and they're wondering what the man with the machete was all about. Guys, why aren't you wondering where the real mummy is? <laughs> and Giles is going to study the seal, which is in pictograms in Peruvian or something. And Buffy realizes that Empata is waiting for her at the bus stop. And hey, Empata's from South America, so maybe he can translate the seal for Giles, which is great. I want to point out, Buffy, that South America is a continent, not a country. It's very large, and the idea that you think that just because he's from the continent that he would be able to read this is not right <laughs> for you to be thinking. Well, if I recall correctly, I think they do say that he just happens to come from the same region of Peru that the mummy came from. So Wonderful. Uh, yeah, I think that was them hanging a lampshade on it. But that is an incredibly valid point, just like <laughs> with the pack, right? Africa is a huge continent full of many, many cultures. And the same with South America. You know, the Incan Empire was quite extensive in South America. But 
that doesn't mean that every person from South America and not even every person from Peru is going to have that ancestry or that knowledge. Yeah, especially, I'm sorry, but even the idea of somebody coming from South America, someone coming from Africa, whatever, being able to read hieroglyphics is a little out there in my opinion, but we we digress. This is when Xander says a bunch of nonsense, and I actually wrote it down because I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He, he says, Buffy, what are your priorities? Tracking down a mummifying killer or making time for some Latin lover whose stock and trade is the breakage of hearts? <sighs> so... <laughs> yeah, for, again, it's like just that fun little bit of misogyny mixed with racism. And it's like, you know, you shake it all up and <laughs> you get Xander. And then what also bugs me about this is Xander's like, upset that Buffy's gonna go pick this guy up from the bus stop. The bus stop in Sunnydale, where vampires breed, where he's been almost murdered multiple times, where principals get eaten alive. Like, the fact that you don't want Buffy to go get this guy, it just, it's just it makes me so mad, because I'm like, you're so selfish. And it's such controlling behavior, it is. right? Like, he's so clearly jealous, and he's he's doing his best to assert his feelings and how how this is making him feel it's not about you xander it's about buffy and pot is waiting yeah like it's just it's gross all right at the bus station uh someone is cooing to Ampata who's waiting on the side of the road <laughs> Ooh, do it again Ampata. i'd follow you i'd, I'd be like what is that <laughs> So um, Pada goes and checks it out. Big mistake. But he's new to Sunnydale. He doesn't know better. And a mummy jumps out, kisses him on the lips, sucks out his soul, his youth, his energy. <laughs> I'm not sure. All of it? I don't know. It, it's very reminiscent of the actual mummy movie, right? Where it's like the mummy has to absorb the life energy of the people who awoke it. And it's like, you know, this mummy's MO is pretty obvious. But... Emotep in the mummy movies was collecting very specific organs from his <laughs> from his victims, right? So Buffy and Willow and Xander show up and Buffy says she's 40 minutes late. And I was like, yikes, Buffy, 40 minutes. I mean, I understand 10 minutes. I get that. 40 minutes is a significant amount of time to be late to pick somebody who's never been there up. I can only imagine, like, I when I moved to China to teach English... If I had shown up at the airport in a country I'd never been in before and just was trusting strangers to come pick me up and they weren't there, I'd be freaking out. I'd be calling the Canadian embassy. I'd be like, come get me. I'm about to be taken, you know? <laughs> Poor Empata. So while they're searching for him, turns out a beautiful young woman wearing Empata's clothing walks out instead. And Xander automatically is like, bazinga, because it's a woman and she's beautiful. And he says, I caramba. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not even going to comment. I'm just going to let this one pass. Skate by, skate Keep by. Going. Let's just move on, move on. At Buffy's house, she's giving the tour to uh, this Empada woman. And uh, Willow is obviously not warming up to her right away because Xander is obviously obsessed with her right away. Yet, even though her English is perfect, Xander still sees it necessary to speak very slowly and very loudly and very deliberately to her and make a lot of hand gestures and he's sitting very close to her yeah very close and i think it's pretty obvious to everybody everybody who's watching that that's the mummy right like that's not 
the boy Ampata. That's the mummy taking taking his youth. And um, that's how I get away with the fact that Xander's sitting so close to her and she's like laughing and flirting back because she's this has been 500 years. She's never been near a man before. <laughs> so I think that's why she's liking it. And Ampata says like she's been to the States before. Uh, she's been on tour around the major U.S. cities. So cut to Buffy's room. Her and Ampata are getting ready for bed and they're talking about her home. And Ampata says... You know, Buffy has so much in her life where her home is very cramped. (laughs) And Buffy asks where her friends are. And she says, it's just me, which obviously Buffy automatically relates to. And she says, don't worry, you'll meet people tomorrow at school. And Ampata says she just wants a normal life like Buffy. And I don't don't think it's too soon to say. I say it later in my notes, but I'm going to say it now. I think Ampata is dropping an incredible amount of hints that she's the mummy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, so like how far can i get with seriously this? like how, how how much can i push this until somebody realizes that it is i who <laughs> has been killing men around sunnydale out of the 10 things she said so far six of them at least have been clues that she's the mummy and buffy's not cluing in she's a little i mean she's a little, she's a little slow on the uptake in this in this episode but she's also very lucky that ampada didn't you know suck her soul out while she was asleep so there's that. Um, at school the next day, Cordelia is walking with a new Mitch. She's got a new Mitch in her life. Gotta love getting you a new Mitch, you know? <laughs> I know, but that's the thing. We know that this character's name is Devin. Should we call him Devin or should he just be Mitch to us? <laughs> I think he's Mitch. So Mitch is a lead singer of a band and he also looks like a greaser. Again, with the show and like looking like these like 50s gang members with the grease back hair and the leather jacket um but he's not a greaser he is uh he's in a band that's gonna be playing at the school dance that night and Cordelia is complaining to mitch and saying that sven her foreign exchange student doesn't even speak american <laughs> he's like really dull cordelia <laughs> is a bomb for my soul you know as much as xander was upsetting me in this episode Cordelia's cluelessness just makes everything feel okay. It does. And actually, this scene also makes everything feel okay to me, too. And that's because after Cordelia leaves with with Sven, Mitch goes and talks to his bandmate about Cordelia. And his bandmate's name is Oz. And, okay, I'm going to say it right now that I love Oz. I think this is a great character. Who doesn't love Oz? I'm so happy to see him. Yes. And he's also probably one of the least problematic male characters in the entire series. I mean, yeah. And that, I mean, now that I'm going to be rewatching it, that remains to be seen, but I 100% want to believe that. And I'm devastated. Kara, I'm devastated that I forgot to mention him in our intro episode when we were talking about who are your favorite characters in the show. I completely forgot about Oz. I'm not going to say why I forgot about him, but. I love this character. I think he's so great. This is monumentous for me. So the fact that he's introduced into this episode makes this episode memorable for me. And when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I'd always go and watch this episode because of this introduction of this character. Well, my my theory, spoiler free, for why you maybe forgot about Oz is simply just because as a character, he's very laid back. He's so chill. He's very zen. So... As he starts to interact more with Buffy and the gang, which he will, he isn't always as memorable as people like Xander who stand out because we remember what we don't like about them, right? (laughs) Oz 
blends in with everything else because he just goes with the flow. I mean, for now, he's he is a very down to earth, normal character. We need that. Yeah. Trust us. Like we need this for now. So hi, Oz. Love you. Um, uh, Mitch says, uh, what does a girl need to do to impress you, Oz? You're way too picky. And Oz says he's not picky. Mitch is just impressed by any girl who walks and talks. And Mitch says she doesn't need to talk. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, these guys seem very old for high school. Like they've got a van. They have a band. Like they seem more like they should be in college. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> um Willow and Xander are also outside and they're discussing the dance that night, which is going to be a multicultural costume party. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. This is this is the terrible idea that we brought up earlier. Uh, just a bunch of white kids celebrating cultures, dressing up as them, appropriating them. It's weird. It's a bad idea. But Willow does say she's been working hard on her costume and she's excited about it. And I think she should be because when we reveal her costume later... It always stuck out of my mind that that's a great costume. <laughs> it is a great costume. It's not a great choice for costume. It's definitely we'll not. Get Don't that. get. Yeah, we'll get more into that later. But it stands out. I'm saying, uh, yeah. Xander wants to look cool because um, Pada is going to be there, and they're watching Ampada and Buffy walk into the school. And Buffy brings her to straight to the library to meet Giles right away, and he immediately asks her to translate the seal. She is obviously super uncomfortable that they have the seal in the first place because she's the mummy. <laughs> and Giles says it's from her region and a tomb from an Inca mummy. And and he's trying to explain why he's translating it. And Willow, who is a pro at lying so fast, so good, on the spot just says it's a project for their archaeology club. <laughs> and... Um, and Pada's wigged out and she's like, please, like, like, she suggests that they hide it. Which makes no sense. Yeah. Why would you hide it? Are you the mummy? <laughs> and um, she, she does point out that one of the symbols means bodyguard. This bodyguard guards the mummy against those who disturb her. So Giles is like, wow, how, how neat not to be like, why would you know that much about it? He's just like, thanks, Ampada. <laughs> You're so fucking helpful. Um, Buffy says, as president of the archaeology club, she's going to be busy with other stuff. So Xander automatically volunteers to guide Empato around this for the day. And Giles starts to speak to Buffy and Willow about researching the symbols. But Willow is sadly, so, so sadly, watching Xander and Empata leave together. And she says, boy, they really like each other. <laughs> I even put in my notes. <laughs> like, I'm so sad. Willow, your sadness brings me nothing but tears. And I'm so sad for you. But don't worry, girl. The sun is coming. It is coming. It's <laughs> coming for you. Xander is teaching Ampata how to eat Twinkies in one bite on the bleachers uh, out in the football field. And this is supposed to be them bonding. This is supposed to be them getting to know each other and having a good time, I guess. Uh, I also think, and maybe I'm being too pedantic here, but if we want to be critical of this scene, and since it has Xander, I assume we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, you know, Xander teaching her how to eat a Twinkie and like bragging about how there's no ingredients whose names that you pr can pronounce. Yep. 
on the surface, we're supposed to take this as humorous, right? And it's just like, oh, you know, it's funny that Xander is introducing Empata to American culture, quote unquote. But, you know, critically speaking, I also see this as like this assertion that in order for Empata to be, you know, a successful, normal American girl, she has to assimilate and, you know, she has to accept the superiority of this American food, right? There, for an episode that is so much about this idea of exchange and cultures and multiculturalism, we see remarkably little of actual Incan culture or Empata's contemporary culture or whatever that's supposed to be, you know, we just see a lot of American culture is better. Yep. And she's eating it up too, right? She's just like, wow, like you're so funny. And she's really into this conversation. So. Well, no wonder Xander's into her because she's doing everything that Buffy didn't. She's like really <laughs> responding to his, I guess I should say charm. I guess you could say that. Well, and she says, she says you're strange, but in like a nice way. And Xander says, girls tell me that right before they run away. And then I was in my head. I'm like, that's great instincts, women run away. <laughs> and, um, I mean, and Pat is a mummy, so, <laughs> so whatever. Um, in the library, Buffy thinks that she's found a match for the symbol in her research and notices that Willow is really distracted. So she she reminds her that Empata's only staying for two weeks and, because she knows because Buffy's being a good friend. and She knows why Willow's upset. And Willow says, then Xander can find someone else who's not me to obsess about. At least with you, I knew he didn't have a shot. So I have a choice. I can spend my life waiting for Xander to go out with every other girl in the world before he notices me or I can get on with my life. And Buffy says, good for you. And she says, well, I didn't choose yet. <laughs> Willow is so precious. I, know. I love her so much. Also, I, I love how in this scene, Giles is there. Like they're working right next to him as he ponders this partial plate. And he's just clearly tuning out the girl talk. He's used to this by yeah, now. Yeah, he's so used to it. And I, I do think that it's nice character development. Remember we keep saying, where is Willow's episode? Why is there no Willow-centric episode since Moloch the Corrupter? Praise Moloch! But this like, this is a, a little bit of character development for Willow in this small filler episode, right? Because she is mm -hmm. saying, hey... My feelings for Xander are super unrequited, which she's known for a long time. But now that she's really seeing him fall for this girl that he literally met 12 hours ago, she's like, enough's enough. And that's really great growth for her. But on the other hand, I think it's sloppy writing work. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of sloppy writing work in this episode, but there is one for Willow here because I don't think her like she's very distracted from the important mm -hmm. stuff that's happening here. And let's not forget, she had a connection to Rodney. And Rodney is dead. And she doesn't seem to care. She cares that Xander is dating this girl, that he's with this girl. I mean, I assume she's just waiting to bring her feelings about Rodney up at her weekly town-mandated counseling session that every Sunnydale High School <laughs> has to attend because there's been so many deaths on campus. <laughs> yeah, one, one could hope that that's what she's waiting for. But, I mean, she's also... I mean, she also didn't care that Jesse, her longtime friend, also died. <laughs> she also didn't care about that. So maybe it does track for her. But I'm just saying her distraction right now usually she's really into the research, right? And this time she's not because Xander mm. happens to be into Empata. I like that you brought that up. And it's just, it's a contrast with Xander, right? Mm -hmm. 
Xander remains obsessed with Buffy, even though Buffy has rejected him. Xander has now clearly rejected Willow. Willow is aware of this, and she maybe hasn't decided to move on just yet, but she understands that eventually she should move on, right? Mm -hmm. So her response and the way she's processing that rejection is already so much healthier than Xander's. Yeah, I agree. So you're right, Giles was ignoring their girl talk, but he does bump, jump in to commend Buffy for her good work on research because the symbol that she discovered shows that Rodney's killer is the mummy and is capable of feeding all life forces of a person. And it's like freeze drying their bodies. And like we as the audience already know this. We're like, yeah, get with the program, you guys. Like we know this. <laughs> but um, the question is, how do they stop the mummy and the answer is still in the seal so outside on the bleachers the knife man the machete man the billy billy black from twilight attacks xander and ampada again and he's looking for the seal and he turns around he sees ampada and he says it's you <laughs> and xander manages to knock him over and they run away him and ampada in the library giles is getting ampada a cup of tea because it's culture day and that's what Giles wants to do is share his culture with Ampana. <laughs> and um, they're trying to figure out why the machete man wants the seal. And Ampana says, again, destroy the seal before someone dies. And Giles says, somebody already has. And that's when Ampana says, there's something you're not telling me. You're not telling me everything. I think it, it should be suspicious that Ampana is like so calm about this. She is not freaking out nearly enough. No. Like I'm, like I'm telling you, I 100% believe that she is giving away all the clues. And like they figured out that Miss French was a praying mantis in like two seconds. And that Moloch was in the computer. Two seconds. This one, they're just like, who could it be? Where's the mummy? Ooh, like, what's going on? And I'm like, you guys, it's it's so obvious. Um, <laughs> So so when, when Ampata says, you're not telling me everything, Xander takes her by the hand and he says, you're right. And he starts to tell them their secret. Everybody is giving him a dirty look. They're like, are you fucking serious? Like, what are you doing? And he says, oh, we aren't in an archaeology club. It's a crime club <laughs> or something like that. But I was like, what are you doing, Very man? Very smooth, Xander. Good call. Good cover. And Pata says the seal nearly got them killed and leaves because she's upset. And Xander follows her, of course, while the rest look on worried because they're like, this idiot almost told the secret. In the hallway, Xander is saying he won't let anyone hurt her. Willow comes out and asks if Ampada's okay, and Xander says she's really upset and he's trying to calm her down. That's when Willow takes a moment just to really let us let it sink in for us as the audience that she's growing as a character. And she says, you should take her to the dance. Just the two of you. And Xander says, oh, but you were so psyched, and what about your costume and all this stuff? And Willow's like, hey, I'll, I'll meet you there, right? And Xander says, you're my best friend. And then walks over back to Empata and Willow says, I know. So sad. Will Willow is just so mature in this scene and so lovely. Yeah, she made the choice. She was <sighs> like, I don't need this guy. I don't need to like this guy anymore. Giles and Buffy are discussing the seal and the missing pieces and how the bodyguard needs them. And the other pieces are at the museum, so they should go and get it. And Buffy's is really happy that the two of them, her and Giles, have worked out a really good plan together. Yay, Watcher Slayer power. <laughs> and until, that's when she realized, though, that these plans will get in the way of her dance plans. <gasps> and she's like, no, what about the dance? And Giles just gives her a look. 
and she knows that the dance is canceled for her. So this also demonstrates good growth, right? Because in season one, Buffy fought tooth and nail to be able to do normal things like date Owen. Oh, yeah. Remember Owen? Uh, where is <laughs> Owen? Like that's a He's probably ago. so dead by now. <laughs> he died long ago. So anyway, <laughs> uh, there's no argument here. Buffy's just Buffy knows. She's the one who says, I'm not going to the dance. She's completely accepted that her Slayer destiny, unfortunately, overrides these normal teenage girl things. She's not happy about it, and we can feel sorry for her, but she's no longer protesting it the way that she was last season. Yeah, and isn't it so interesting that she was just like, you're right, there's a killer mommy on the loose, uh, this is priority. Whereas two episodes ago, Giles was like, oh, but I have a date with Jenny at the football game, even though there were, like, boys murdering girls and putting dead body parts together. <laughs> so I just feel like it's unfair, but for sure, I'm glad that Buffy took the the right choice, which was to put her Slayer duty first. Well, but was it the right choice? I have a comment on that when we actually get to the dance. <laughs> okay. In the hallway, Xander is telling Ampata, ooh, the scene. Uh, Xander is telling Ampata that he's scared to tell her something. What it is is that he likes her and wants her to go to the dance with him. And Ampata asks, why was that scary? And Xander replies, well, because you never know if a girl's going to say yes or if she's going to laugh in your face and pull out your still beating heart and crush it into the ground with her heel. Xander, I mean this in the harshest possible way. Fuck off we we get <laughs> flack sometimes right for our xander slander and we get people who write in to defend xander and i get it but a lot of people's defensives of xander come down to this thesis that he's this character with a heart of gold and we can talk more about that later on in the series but i think that one of the things we are trying to explore as we rewatch the series with this critical feminist lens is that even if you have a character, especially a male character, who has a heart of gold, it's irrelevant if the rest of that character is not also golden. Why do we tolerate unacceptable, toxic, harmful behavior from people, especially from men, just because they supposedly are a good person deep down? So I think it's possible for everybody to be correct in this situation. I think it's possible for Xander to have a good heart. And we see that later in this episode. He has heroic qualities, but those heroic qualities do not excuse or forgive the more toxic and harmful aspects of his personality. So when we call Xander out here, we're not saying Xander's a trash character, but we're saying that this is part of the problem of our society is we teach people, especially women and girls, that you should put up with trash behavior from men because deep down they're okay people. And I think that's what's so toxic about this. So here we have Xander Literally saying that the worst thing he can imagine is a girl laughing at him yep. for asking her to the dance. And it's like, well, Xander, the worst thing that a girl can imagine from a guy is, you know, being raped and potentially killed for it. So I'm sorry, Xander, I don't sympathize with you that much. And that's a situation that our girls in this show are put in numerous times already. 
in this yeah. series. And you made the same similar point in Prophecy Girl when he was rejected by Buffy very kindly after he asked her out and his insecurities really turned him into not such a nice guy near the end. Also, to be fair to Xander, I should point out, he has been in danger multiple times. We remember the praying mantis. He brings it up in this episode. Mm -hmm. He is endangered in this episode. Like, Xander is also under a lot of physical threats to his life and his livelihood in Sunnydale. So if there's any guy who should understand the threats that women face in society, it should be Xander because he also undergoes a lot of threats. But apparently, no, being laughed at is worse than being captured and imprisoned by a she-mantis. <laughs> yeah, and like victimizing his his own emotions like this annoys me because he's acting like he's the one that gets his heart crushed all the time. But yeah. Xander, it is you who is constantly playing this nice guy role. You're the one that's giving Buffy these gifts that have secret meanings and agendas behind them. You're the one that's watching her change without her knowledge. You're the one that attempted to rape her when you're under the influence of hyena spirits. You're always on her case for liking a guy that's not you. And you're all through this episode, you've been aggressively sabotaging and mocking her attempt to even be nice to another guy from another country. And I could go on. Yeah. So this is why it annoys me because I'm Zan like, Xander, we don't feel bad for you that Buffy let, let you down in Prophecy Girl and that Buffy doesn't like you back. So stop playing the victim like my heart is going to be crushed if you don't go to the dance with me. <sighs> because in fact, Xander... I'd be a lot more worried and scared to have this conversation with you if I were Empata, because mm -hmm. even if you ask her out and she gently and as nicely as possible was like, you know what, I'd rather just go as friends or, or anything like that, you'll just turn on her and start insulting her and making her feel like shit. So I'm just like, this is so, too much. Sometimes he just says these small things that you think you can just pass by, but you and I cannot pass mm -hmm. by them because they're harmful, like you're saying. Oh, no, this this is the worst line of the episode, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So perhaps ironically, though, because Xander just said the worst thing a girl, girl could do is uh, laugh in your face and pull out your heart. The scene continues with Empata vanishing into the girl's bathroom <laughs> yeah where she once again reminds us she's the mummy <laughs> and could do much worse to Xander and may still cross fingers. Yes, <laughs> um, I wouldn't cry. <laughs> so when Empata goes into the bathroom, uh, we discover this bodyguard guy, if that's what he is, is there waiting for her. And I just want to know, like, does nobody else see this guy hanging around with a machete <laughs> on the school campus? Where's Principal Snyder? You know, like, this guy does not blend in at all, so I'm not sure what's going on here. So they have, like, this, I don't know, what, like, a heart-to-heart. -heart. Like, they clearly know who each other are, and we learn a little bit more about this guy. He's, like, he's trying to guilt her, basically. He's saying, like, you, she says, oh, I'm innocent, you know, I never got to live. Give me a chance to live now, mm -hmm. because she was a human sacrifice at 16 years old. And he retorts that every life she takes by sucking them dry <laughs> is an innocent life. So even if she had been innocent in the past, she's no longer innocent. And she's like, please, I'm in love. <laughs> Jesus. 
I'm sorry, girl. If you're in love with Xander, you could do so much better. Just die. Um, <laughs> Just choose death. <laughs> exactly. So then Machete Bodyguard guy is like, no, you're the chosen one. You have to die. You have no choice. Again, with the Buffy parallels of Buffy had to die. She had no choice in Prophecy Girl. Mm -hmm. And here's the problem that I have with this scene. And Pata's like, no, 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 I'm not going to die. And so she pulls him in for like the, the death kiss and mm -hmm. sucks out his soul or his life force or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this guy's really strong. He looks pretty strong. She looks not as strong as him. How did he let his guard down? Like, he knows what she's capable of. So how did... Empata overpower him? Is she, like, super strong? Is it, like, once you start kissing him, he can't pull away? I don't know. But she kisses him, sucks his life force <laughs> out, um, and, and then emerges from the washroom. And everything is fine. She's got, like, her face on again yeah. with her makeup. Um, and, and it's just like, okay, so bodyguard guy's just gone? Yeah, but, like, I have so many questions around the bodyguard, because you're right. Like, first off, what was he doing in there? Does he just appear out of thin air? Or was he waiting in there in the off chance that she would go into the bathroom? Two, is he immortal? Or, like, was he asleep, too, until the seal broke and then he appeared? Is he a ghost? Is he part of a long line of of men that just, like, watch over this mummy at all times? So I have a lot of questions around him. So the fact that he just died without any fight is wild to me. Because I'm like, you're really bad at your job, Billy Black. Really bad. Like, <laughs> And also, why did you try to stab her there? Just like tie her up and bring her. Like, she, she's probably like two hours away from turning back into the mummy anyway. <laughs> so just like hold her captive, right? Lots of questions. Lots of questions. Yeah, so we're in Buffy's room and... She has brought up Empata's luggage, which she had left at the at the bus station. And Buffy says she'll unpack it for her because she's not going to go to the dance because she's got crime club stuff. <laughs> and Empata um, says that she tried to, tr to change the subject, get Buffy away from her trunks. And she's just like, can I borrow lipstick? And she says that she's happy with Xander and Buffy agrees that he's happy around her. And um, Empata thanks Buffy for thinking of others before herself and while she's using Buffy's lipstick, she talks about the Inca princess because this girl just... Again, dropping those hints. Like you, just... I, I didn't necessarily think that when I was watching the episode, but you're so right, Steph. It's just like she's playing with fire just here. Stop talking about it. Talk like Be like, what's TV? Like, you know, like just other things. But she brings up her own origin story. And um, <laughs> they talk about how she was the only one and only she can defend her people from the netherworld and all the girls in her generation. Out of all of them, she was chosen. And of course, while she's talking, Buffy does notice that there's boys clothes, like boys underwear in Empata's bag. And she's kind of like, what is this? And I'm like, Buffy, clue in, man. <laughs> like, that's like, it could not be more obvious. She stops Empata from opening up her drawer that has all her Slayer objects in it. So it shows that both of them have secrets. Both of them have a connection around this origin chosen story. Empata says, like, she was 16 like us, the princess, <laughs> who isn't me. And she was offered as a sacrifice and went to her death. And who knows what she had to give up to fulfill her duties, her chances of love. I think it's interesting that the show at this point does not actually talk about or question the fact that this was you know patriarchy this was the decision of the men in power yeah. who were controlling society and deciding that the best way to keep things 
status quo is to kill a 16 year old girl um so i i will mention that the show does get better at talking about the structural nature and bringing in patriarchy later on in the series but for now it's just like they spend a lot of time talking about how unfair life is for buffy as the slayer but they are still dancing around the root cause of that yeah i just think like we know like this is a filler episode for sure because it's like yeah we already know this about buffy we already know she struggles with this with this path right so Buffy does start to open the trunk, but that's when the doorbell rings. So she doesn't even look in the in the trunk as she lifts the lid. But we see that the real Ampada is dead inside, mummified. So Ampada closes the trunk behind Buffy as she leaves and locks it. Xander is at the door and he's wearing his culture costume, which is from an old Clint Eastwood movie, I think. Like, it's more of a movie costume than a culture costume. Yeah, I don't really know. It, it's, yeah, it's like a Western take on, like, a a Mexican character, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, cultural appropriation and, yeah, like, I, I don't want to get too much into it because it's just so obviously bad, yeah. I hope, to people who are watching the, the, the episode that we don't really have to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's why I didn't do too many notes. I was like, nah, it's there. <laughs> Yeah, the same the same goes for when we do get to the dance. Pretty much every costume at that dance is horrible. Oh, yeah. um, you know, they appropriate so many cultures. I think it, it's also harmful because you got to think if you're an exchange student from one of these countries, one of these cultures who comes to this dance, you're not being celebrated, you're being mocked. And as you pointed out, Steph, it's pretty much all white people. Yeah. <laughs> like... Where are the exchange students from predominantly black countries? Mm-hmm. I don't see any black people here. I mean, maybe there's one or two in the crowd that we didn't quite notice, but it's just like, <sighs> this is a very Eurocentric, westernized idea of multiculturalism. Yeah. So that's all I've got to say about that. It's bad, um, yeah. but we can move that's past That's all we it. got to say about that. So... Xander does ask Buffy, who's just wearing her overalls and t-shirt, he does say, what country are you from? White trash or something? The country of white trash? And I did laugh at that because I thought it was funny. Um, Buffy says that she, her and Giles are going to be hunting mummies and the three of them will go to the dance. But that's when she notices that Willow is not with him and that Xander is on a date. And Ampata comes down the stairs in her culture outfit. Where did she get this outfit? Certainly it wasn't Where in- did she get all, any of her clothes? Because she shows up with Justin Potta stuff, which are presumably men's clothes and not sized for yeah. her. But she has all these clothes. Like, did she borrow pajamas and stuff from I think Buffy? she did. Like, I think I think for her first day, because her luggage arrived that night, like obviously this uh, night. So I think she did borrow Buffy's clothes for the school day. But she's got a really beautiful cultural dress, I'm guessing. Cultural dress. I don't know. Well, I think she's dressed up as, like, the Incan princess, right? Once again, too Yes. <laughs> like, where did you get it? Was, she, was the mummy wearing that? In, like, we have to go back and look. Like, did she just take her old dress and just, like, put it in her pocket? I so many questions. So anyway, whatever. Okay, whatever. She comes down. Xander stammers because he can't speak around beautiful women, I guess. Buffy translates the salivating boy talk, she calls it, and says that he says, you're beautiful. Because Buffy's a good wingman. Yeah, I, I do think this is funny. Yeah. I think this this is a cute yeah. scene. You know, as much as we rag on Xander and <laughs> his his boyness, um, I think this is a cute it's fine, scene because yeah. there's nothing wrong with a guy being nervous about 
taking a girl out on a date. So I like this. It's fine. That's absolutely fine. And like I said, Buffy helps him out and it's cute. And Joyce comes out. Ooh, Joyce. And she's high as fuck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but she says, oh, Ampata, you look wonderful. And I wish you could talk my daughter into going with you. Um, are you laughing? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> gonna, just, just Joyce. Just Joyce being Joyce. I really hope Stoner Joyce becomes a meme. You got to do like some Stoner Joyce beeps on Instagram. Oh, like, I can, yeah. We, you got to find the most stoned picture of Joyce that you can get. <laughs> And just like caption it, like we we should do like a caption contest or something because I'm just so obsessed with this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry on, I'll try to contain Joyce myself. Is like, oh, you guys are leaving. I bought munchies for everybody. <laughs> Stay. Um... Stop. You're so bad. <laughs> Where are you guys going? Oh, there's a dance. Oh yeah. <laughs> Stop it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I love this for Joyce. I love it for her. I, I want this to be true. <laughs> so Joyce is just saying, my daughter, you should convince her to go, but she's not going to go to the dance. And Ampata's just like, yeah, she's very stubborn. And Joyce says, you know, I'm glad someone else sees that. And her and Buffy give each other this look. And again, I think this is really cute. And I, I, I don't actually know. I hope somebody... Like, we haven't talked too much about what other people think about Joyce. And we're just kind of, like, going through the show what I want mm-hmm. from Joyce and what we see from Joyce. Um, <laughs> but I actually think this is relationship is adorable and her like her and but her and buffy give this little like mother daughter look and it's normal for a mother to tease her daughter just like vice versa right so i think this is really cute i like this yeah. a lot um ampada and xander go to leave and um xander says be careful to buffy and she says you look good to him and she watches them leave very sadly joy says wow two days in america and ampada already seems like she belongs she's really fitting in there's that assimilationist perspective that I mentioned earlier. Of course, yep. And uh, Buffy says, yeah, like, how about that? Or something like that. Um, but she just looks sadly as she watches them go. Because obviously she's like, I want to be at the dance, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the dance is at the bronze. Like, where else would the school dance be? I, they couldn't hold it at the fish tank, because we know that place is a dive. <laughs> Which is literally next door. They could have just, like... <laughs> tried a new venue for once but you know what no no the bronze is tried and true and uh the band featuring mitch and oz is playing on the stage and cordelia shows up in her (laughs) hawaiian outfit and she passes willow and makes a comment about willow's outfit and willow is dressed up as an inuit in like a, a traditional snow outfit thank you for not using the e word but that's the thing is like so I I actually like when I was younger and watching this I thought her costume was so good like I did I thought it was she's clearly put effort into you know the quality of the costume it looks right? authentic like it, it looks very authentic yeah but you know and so just as an aside for for any listeners who are like well what's wrong with Willow dressing like that you know the issue is Inuit which is the proper name for those people. Um, are not like a historical people. Inuit are still alive (laughs) and they have a culture that is still uh, around despite hundreds of years of attempted cultural genocide on the part of European settlers in Canada and the US. And, um, you know, to, to call 
what Inuit wear a costume, which is literally what we're doing here with the way Willow is wearing it as a costume, is offensive because it's either, you know, in this case, it seems to be like what Inuit would wear as part of their everyday clothing to survive in the cold Arctic temperatures. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you're dressing up like another indigenous person from another culture, often you're trying to emulate very poorly the regalia that is sacred to these various cultures. Uh, And there is no one pan-indigenous culture, right? There is no uh, one culture, you know, not every indigenous culture wears headdresses or, or anything like that. So unfortunately, you know, to, to dress up like this and to call it a costume is very offensive. And uh, I just wanted to take a moment to, to share that perspective because I think it's important for white people like myself to speak up when we see this stuff. Obviously, this is an older show, but you still see it happen on TV these days. You still see these Halloween costumes in stores. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't dress up like other cultures. Uh, it's not a good look on you. Yeah. Great, great point. Uh, what I do like about the costume, though, what I mean when I say it's amazing, it's it's great, is that, yeah. is that Willow, as a character, would think that going in a giant snowsuit to this dance is a great idea. And it's so cool. And that's what I like about Willow. I like that she thinks outside the box. She's not generic. The fact that Cordy shows up in her, you know, I put in quotes, Hawaiian costume, which is basically like a bathing suit. Well, the Hawaiians are another indigenous culture, right? Like there are indigenous Hawaiians. And again, that's not how they dress. (laughs) No, but I think Cordelia showed up looking really sexy, and when her mm. stomach is bared and she looks great, but um, she she and she crosses Willow, who would never think to go sexy. She went as what she thought was like an awesome costume. And I relate to that about Willow very much. And I think that's great. I think that's a great point that you've made, Steph, because this is kind of the starting of a tradition of Willow wearing very conservative, very modest costumes to various events. And when we get to the Halloween episode in a couple of episodes, right, we're going to see Willow actually wrestling with her her body and how much of her body to show off in a costume and stuff. So yeah. I'm excited for us to continue this conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Cordelia's complaining to her friends that her her exchange student she refers to him as a speechless human boomerang (laughs) and she's she's complaining about him um and she's like you know hey get punchy fruit drinky like to him and it's funny but it's also like oh cordelia (laughs) like i feel bad for this guy me too yeah 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 um that's when xander and ampata arrive and uh willow sees them come in and she looks down at her own costume and says oh maybe i should have worn something sexy and like you can see my notes here all in caps i'm just like no willow you are perfect and your costume was a good idea not you know culturally speaking but in general it was a good idea so so just keep be you willow Willow. be you uh, Giles shows up at Buffy's house to say that the bodyguard was found in the school's bathroom, mummified. They figure out that the guard was actually there to make sure that the mummy didn't awaken and escape. So he was such a bad guard. This guy sucked. Uh, then they realize that, hey, Ampata lied in her translation. And hey, wait a second. She was really weird about the seal since the beginning. So finally, they're like, oh, my God, it's Ampata. Let's go investigate her trunk. (laughs) So they go up to Buffy's room and they're going through her things. And, you know, obviously they they find the boys clothes and then Buffy finds the mummified 
body in her trunk. And I was like, like, I know that Joyce <laughs> is getting high in her room and she she's not like present. <laughs> but there is a librarian in his 40s in your 16 year old daughter's room. It's very innocent. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, they're, they're investigating a murder. But but it's still inappropriate. Come on. Come on, Joyce. Where are you? <laughs> So at the dance, uh, there's a slow song playing and Xander asks Empata to dance and they go out onto the dance floor and Willow's watching them by herself. She's standing by herself, just watching sadly. (sighs) Willow. And as they dance, Oz says to Mitch, hey, that girl, who is she? And Devin thinks he's talking about Empata. And Oz says, no, not her. The E word. (laughs) And sure enough, Oz is looking at Willow. He he's looking at Willow and he's just like he smiles. He like he his face lights up when he says, "Who's that?" Yeah. I just this makes my life. This makes my entire existence. <laughs> this makes its Buffy podcast worth it to me to rewatch this and take it all in again like it's the first time. It feels amazing. I feel alive. <sighs> I agree. He he just looks at he just he doesn't talk to her. He doesn't know anything about her. He just sees Willow in her snow costume and just is entranced. And I fucking love it. Xander and Pada are still dancing and they're staring at each other for a very 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 long time, which is how you know that they're about to kiss because that's how they portray it in TV. In real life, that's a really long time to <laughs> to be staring at someone <laughs> before you kiss. I mean, Xander's pretty creepy, right? So maybe he just thinks that's normal. Yeah, well, um, this actually... Is is this the first episode that we see Xander kiss anybody? I think it is. Oh, my memory's not that good stuff. It's probably his first kiss, so he, that's why he's staring so long at her. But then, as they're about to kiss, Ampata realizes that her hand is starting to mummify. So she runs away. No! <laughs> no! the jig is up so she runs away and she sees a little sad little boy little man st- sitting on the stairs i thought you wrote a little man in your notes <laughs> i wrote a little guy little guy sitting on the stairs <laughs> if you don't like my notes card don't read them <laughs> uh, i like it because this you know this character yeah. This is the first time we see him, but he shows up a few more times, and it's kind of nice. I, I forgot that this was the first appearance of him. Same, 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 same. So Giles and Buffy uh, are in the car, and they say that, hey, Ampata wanted us to destroy the seal. Therefore, the seal was used to contain the mummy, so reassembling it will trap her again. And I was like, yeah, obviously, guys. Duh. Why are we even having this conversation? So Giles will drop Buffy off at the dance, and he'll hurry to the museum to piece together the seal. And I was like, this is... We already knew this. Like, why did you cut? What? Steph, I can, can like, can you be the slayer and I'll be your watcher? I feel like we'd be great at this. I feel like we'd be, we would have killed her as soon as we saw her at the bus stop. We've been like, mommy. <laughs> and we would have killed her then. So <laughs> that, that would be a very short episode. <laughs> the very first like hint that she drops are, oh, I've toured America in cramped areas. Wink. I'd been like, you're, you're the one. You're the princess. Um... <laughs> So Xander is looking for Ampata and he goes by Willow and he asks her if she's seen her. And Willow just kind of like does a, like a shrug. Um, and Xander says, what was that? And she says, oh, I shrugged. And Xander rudely says, next time, just say shrug and then rushes away. Uh, excuse you. Please. Excuse you, Xander. What the fuck? Why yeah. are you being so rude? And Willow says, sigh, like out loud, sigh. <sighs> and I don't, I don't, I don't know. And then... 
we get a brief glimpse, just a little brief glimpse of Sven, the Swedish guy, talking to one of Cordelia's friends in perfect English and complaining about Cordelia being rude. I love Jokes this. on Cordelia. You know, because this is Sven's revenge. Yeah. And this is why, like I said earlier, right, Cordelia is a bomb to my soul. Like, yes, her comments are often equivalent to Xander's in terms of her level of ignorance, but the show will portray her as the butt of a joke, right? They will make fun of her in a way that the show is too precious with Xander to do. And that's why I appreciate Cordelia's presence, because she is so clearly providing comic relief in this case, whereas Xander does make a good joke once in a while. But in general, Xander's comic relief is undermined by the mean edge to his character. And for some reason, Xander gets to be on a pedestal and Cordelia doesn't. So exactly don't like uh, behind the stage Ampata is about to suck dry this little guy <laughs> when she hears uh, Xander shout for her. So the guy just like pieces out. He's like, oh, wait. and uh, her arms are now almost completely mummified. Xander comes in and Ampata says um, she ran away because she doesn't deserve Xander. And oh, my God, Xander's ego is stroked. He immediately says, man. I love you. Oh my, oh my, oh my, you simple, small, fragile little man. Ampata starts crying and he asks why and she starts crying on his shoulder and Xander says, it's a secret, right? Like why you're crying? If you told me you'd have to kill me kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> it's the worst fucking joke. Um, he has no idea why that's <sighs> the worst, but you know. <laughs> Um, they look at each other longingly. She's looking at him because it's a life and death situation. He's just looking at her because once again, his ego just got stroked and he just like loves this girl for liking him and they start making out. So here it is. Xander's very first kissing scene. And we see that Ampada's mummy hands start wrapping around his head <laughs> and she starts to suck out his youth or his soul or whatever. And uh, for a second there, we're all like, oh, shit, she's doing it. Because I think it cut to to commercial at that point. But then she stops and Xander falls to the ground in shock or half soul sucked. I don't know what he, he's feeling. Disorientation. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's it. And she says um, she can't. And she tells him he, she's sorry. And she holds him. At the museum, Giles is piecing together the seal. And Apata can sense this, I guess. And she's like the seal and takes off (laughs) outside uh in the bronze dance area willow is creating a cheese castle (laughs) out of like the the snacks that are there and buffy comes and finds her and tells her that ampata's the mummy and willow's reply is oh good (laughs) that solves a lot of willow's problems (laughs) it does it does um they run off to find xander just as oz was about to tap willow on the shoulder to introduce himself this is hilarious right like how he keeps missing her and this is going to be the case for a little bit and i just yeah it's it's perfect it's absolutely perfect and um as as she runs away he says who's that girl and he's so like intrigued and curious and just notice that while Willow didn't see Oz, she and she ran away from him without really noticing him, Oz doesn't get offended by this. He doesn't get insecure. He doesn't care and be like, oh, I guess like, oh, I guess I'm just like not cool enough. He just remains smitten. And it's just like, who is she? Right? Like, it's just that's that's what decent boys do. This is a decent, normal teenage boy. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. 
So Xander's sitting on the stairs, uh, unclear to me if he knows what happened to him or not, or if he's just feeling disoriented, like you said. Buffy and Willow grab him and say they have to go find Giles, and they'll explain to Xander on the way. And I wish, so much I wish, that we could have heard them explain the situation to Xander in the car on the way. Um, Also, how do they get there? Because none of them drive. No, I guess, no, Xander has a car. Never mind. Yeah, Xander has a car, but apparently Ampata can run to the museum. Again, distances in Sunnydale are very subjective. Yes, and you brought up earlier, and now I'm going to bring it up too, because when they get to the museum, Ampata attacks Giles uh, just as he's finishing assembling the seal. She smashes it. She tries to suck (laughs) Giles' soul out. Um, And that's when Buffy appears, and then they start to fight. And Buffy does like a really powerful Slayer jump onto the platform and Ampata's like you've been keeping secret too you're not a normal girl and Buffy's like and you are and they fight it's a good it's good banter I like it but what I want to bring up here is like you're saying like can Ampata run really fast how did she overpower the bodyguard how is she fighting Buffy now so I guess like I never really understood this about any mummy lore like why they're so strong for decaying bodies you know yeah exactly you would think that mummies would be particularly weak and fragile but there's no muscle (laughs) and especially like feeding from xander like the little bit that she fed from him right like i feel like xander would not be a very good meal anyway to strengthen Mm. you so it's true it's true but um regardless um ampata had thrown giles into the coffin and as they're fighting she also throws buffy into the coffin and closes the seal on them and that's when Willow runs in and Ampata grabs, grabs Willow by the neck and is about to suck her dry. And that's when Xander shows up and he gets in between them and he's like, uh, if you're going to kiss anybody, you're going to kiss me. And basically saving Willow, um, saving her life here. And he's like, can you do it? Could you take my life? And she's like, yes, and grabs his neck. But as she's trying to suck out his soul, Buffy has broken out of the coffin and she pulls her back just as she turns full mummy. And her body crumbles to the ground, but her arms like had broken off and are still <laughs> wrapped around <laughs> Xander's neck. <laughs> Props to the props department for for managing that. Um, it's funny and also a bit gross. It's, yeah, it's a lot of things, but whatever. <sighs> um, oh, well. And then Xander looks sad. Willow comforts him. And then all four of them just kind of like leave. <laughs> and I, my note here was also like, OK, so like no cleanup. Like someone's going to come in tomorrow morning to open the museum is just going to find this like like an extra mummy, number one, an extra mummy with braces. And this mummy just like crumbled on the floor. <laughs> ah, so weird. So the next day at school, Buffy and Xander are talking everything over and Xander says he has the worst taste in women. And Buffy, because of course, because she's Buffy and this is what she does. She feels bad for Ambata. She feels bad for the life that she had to live and for it being taken from her. And Buffy says that when she had heard the prophecy that she was going to die, she wasn't obsessed with doing the right thing either. And Xander says, yeah, but you did. Uh, You gave up your life. And Buffy says, I had you to bring me back. And they smile at each other and keep walking. And I don't understand this conversation between the two of them. What What I'm choosing to believe is that This is establishing Buffy and Xander's friendship, making it a little bit deeper that they like they're getting past their whole sexy dance, rejection, angry issues they've had the last couple episodes. And they're starting to 
mm-hmm. get more to a safer space. But I think this scene could also easily be read into that they're growing closer romantically. Because the whole episode, mm-hmm. Xander was jealous of Buffy, and then Buffy did look sad that Empada and him were going out on a date. So I think you could read it both ways. I hate the idea that they would start to build a romantic interest in with Buffy towards Xander now. So that's why I'm choosing to believe that this is more about their friendship and getting back to basics of understanding each other. That's what I'm choosing to believe, but like I don't know. I don't actually know what they're trying it, to do. It does seem very ambiguous, and I agree with you. Like I want to see it as friendship, but I also think that you could read it the other way as well. No. So we are just going to have to find out what happens. I suppose. And then my other thing about this is, do we think that that was particularly hard for Xander, who claimed not 12 hours ago that he was in love with Ampada? So... Like, I don't know, like, he changed his tune very quickly after finding out that she was a mummy that was killing people. And especially when he threatened Willow, that took it too far. And that's when his heroic ability to, like, stand between her and Willow and give up his own life. Like, that's that's heroic. I'll give him that. But did he even grow from this experience? Besides being like, damn, my taste in women is terrible. I I don't think we can answer that yet, Mm. right? Again, we have to see what happens next time. I mean, I think what we're seeing is a pattern here of episodes where at least once a season, Xander must suffer. (laughs) Right. Right? Like, you know, we have Teacher's Pet where Xander's targeted by this older woman. And now we have Inca Mummy Girl where Xander gets targeted by an older woman. (laughs) (laughs) In a sense. You know, I'm curious to see as the series progresses will we have more episodes where xander ends up at a disadvantage especially um when it comes to women so this could be the start of a pattern but i think it's too soon to tell okay all right uh who is your hero this episode so i was going to say buffy for like how swiftly she puts everything together and figures out that i'm pot is the mummy but your interpretation of everything has kind of had me question that step. So that makes you laugh. <sighs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, um, I think I think I'll stick with Buffy because I think Buffy's actions in this episode are fairly heroic. Um, let's give an honorable her- hero mention to Oz for challenging Mitch slash Devon's boorish behavior towards women. I love that. Uh, my hero this episode is Giles. I think. <laughs> Uh, like he did his job this episode he did a lot of research and he was trying to get that seal together kept buffy on track uh but most importantly he got knocked out again and thrown into that sarcophagus (laughs) yep also uh you know buffy canceled going to the dance Mm -hmm. maybe giles canceled a date with jenny we don't know we'll never know yeah he's sacrificing it's true um, I forgot to mention when it comes to the dance, I, I had said earlier I have a comment about Buffy not going. See, so this is like the second or third time where Buffy has put aside her high school obligation, like going to a dance for Slayer mm-hmm. duties, only for it to turn out that she should have just gone to the dance, right? <laughs> yeah. Like if she had gone to the dance, she would have been able to respond to Impata running off much sooner. Um, so I think maybe Buffy and Giles need to learn that if you're ever in a situation where you need to choose between a dance or school activity and slayer duties they're probably going to intersect anyway so she should just go to the dance because like can't giles go to the museum by himself he's a grown man he can take care of himself he doesn't need buffy around to defend him you know and it's like 
So anyway, I just think it's interesting how Buffy once again gave up going to the dance. She could have gone yep. because she was needed there. Yeah, that's a good point. Excellent point. Uh, so let's get to our hot stakes segment. Yes. Yes. I do want to give a shout out to Rachel on TikTok. She messaged me and told me that she was listening to our episodes and... Mm-hmm. The first time that we mentioned what should we call our segment, she said she literally was, was talking to us like we were in her living room and being like, Sunny Mail, guys, it's Sunny Mail, Sunny Mail, obviously Sunny Mail. So <laughs> <laughs> she told me that and I was like, you're so right. Like Sunny Mail is should have been in the mix. That's such a good uh, suggestion. So thanks, Rachel. It's a little bit too late, but hey, we can, this is our podcast. We can switch it up whenever we want. So maybe by season three, we'll be like sunny mail for the season, you know? I would love if we got a sponsor so we could be like hot steaks or sunny mail brought to you by blank. <laughs> you know, yeah. any companies out there who want to sponsor us, we will totally sell out. Love um, it. Yeah. So thanks, Rachel. All right. So heading into our next hot steak. So we have a few comments here from listeners regarding Xander. Uh, we have Jessica commenting after listening to our recap of Nightmares from season one. Uh, talking about some of Xander's sort of more heroic or admirable qualities. And we did kind of discuss this earlier in the episode and talking about how that doesn't necessarily balance out or forgive his less excusable qualities. But I do think Jessica makes some important points about how the show is trying to portray Xander as a good or heroic character, that he deserves to be part of this gang despite not having... Uh, particular skills like Buffy with her Slayer powers, Willow with her tech-savvy book smarts. So I, I, I want us to bring that up because we should pay attention to that as the series goes on. Like, what is Xander's role? How does he fit in with the gang when he doesn't have any particular ability or skill other than his willingness to fight the good fight? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica brought up in particular... That, you know, we see this from the very beginning when he follows Buffy down into the sewers when she's searching for Jesse to bring Jesse back. You know, Xander does have a quality of selflessness to him. Um, you know, so Jessica says, there are dozens of times where his presence has saved someone's life. It starts in season one. He followed Buffy down to search for Jesse. The very first time he was told there was danger, he went to save his friend. And honestly, if he hadn't been there to help pull her into the sunlight while they were escaping, she would have been toast right there. Which I completely agree with that. I think, if I'm remembering our recap correctly, we point that out, right? Mm -hmm. Like, unequivocally, Xander was being heroic there. Um, so let's let's keep watching mm-hmm. how Xander's heroism shows up in the show and how does that relate to his worst qualities? What is the show saying when it's asking us to accept this heroic male figure who also misbehaves so much? Yeah, and we keep saying we're looking forward to that time. There are definitely moments when Xander shines coming up, so... We're excited for that. Um, We also had some mail from Sarah, who had a comment about the first episode of season two and that very awkward scene when (laughs) Buffy and Xander are dancing Mm. and Buffy is acting out and dancing with Xander to make Angel jealous. She's grinding up on him. And Sarah's comment is, doesn't anyone else hate that Buffy sexually assaulted someone on the bronze dance floor? No, I'm not classifying it as a tease. Change the gender, 
If her partner did the same thing to her, there would be an uproar. I'm not letting my Xander favor mess with my lens. I just think we need to remember that Buffy isn't infallible. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good point where we should always have these conversations about boundaries and about consent. You know, speaking as an asexual person, if I were dancing, whether it was the late 90s or now, on a crowded dance floor with people, and even if I were dancing with somebody else for the fun of dancing with a partner, that would not be implicit consent for somebody to start grinding up on me. And even if that's like the style of dancing that's popular during that time, it's still like that says something about our society. You know, it's it's the whole boys will be boys, girls will be girls, boys and girls will do things together, right? Let's not make assumptions that just because people are dancing together, they want to touch each other in certain ways. Consent should be an ongoing, enthusiastic conversation, right? Don't assume there's a yes. So I appreciate you bringing up that point, Sarah. And also, it's interesting, too, because like when you say consent, it's like perhaps Xander did consent to dancing with her, but then as it got more sexualized, he yeah. did not continue giving consent because that consent is yeah. something that's ongoing throughout any interaction. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I did bring up at that point in that episode saying this is unfair. This is unfair to everybody involved, but it is unfair to Xander. And yeah, and yeah so this, that's why this is an excellent point to bring up that um, a part of that uncomfortable nature of what Buffy did was because it was too, it went too far. It went too far past Xander's boundaries. Agreed. And finally, our last hot stake is from Esme, who wrote in after listening to our season two, episode two, Some Assembly Required episode. And she says, I can't help but wonder what the families of the girls who were dug up think. If someone I loved died and then their remains were found in the local school, I'd be breathing down the authorities next, trying to find out what happened and who was responsible. In an episode on grief, it was an interesting to see the men's circumstances, i.e. family situation, aftermath of death, coping with loss, to see those situations be prioritized over the women's who were treated anecdotally and sometimes with humor, like when Cordy was in the dumpster. There is a great novel by Patrick Ness called The Rest of Us Just Live Here, which follows a group of friends who are the background students in a high school with a chosen one. It's partly inspired by Buffy and well worth a read. So, This caught my attention because we don't talk too much about, and the show doesn't address too much, those background people who are constantly being affected by the death and the mayhem that follows Buffy around and Buffy's friends around. Like, we we say how many students have died since the show began. And how many died before mm-hmm. that and the and how many are missing and how many people's lives are completely different. It's not just the one student who died. There is a snowball effect to their family and friends and the people around them that we never address. Yeah. That the show doesn't address because it's not convenient to address it. And even in this episode, we talked about how Willow is so nonchalant about Rodney dying um Mm. just as which tracks because she also didn't care too much about jesse dying but i mean this is something that the show i think lacks for sure is that empathy and the outer people the people that are you know joyce's neighbor and giles co-teacher who are affected by some serious serious trauma and problems that are happening at this high school yeah i think that's a fantastic point esme thank you and I love reading books. I've got a book review website, Cara.reviews. Thank you for the book recommendation because 
uh, I would love, I love reading those kinds of deconstructions yeah. of, of tropes and stuff. So I, I'm going to check that out. I, I actually put it in my Amazon bucket today and I'm going to purchase nice. it to, right after we're done this recording. Oh, wonderful. So thanks everybody for sharing your hot stakes. And as always, keep sending them our way. We love them. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. We invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.